Hello friends. Welcome to the second session of um, our Estelle lore series. Um, and we are going to continue with the discussion about the Silmarillion. I am being reminded by Wookie that I am 15 minutes late indeed, which is true, I was. Okay, um, so this, this session we are going to talk about the Vala Quenta, which is the count of the Valar and the Maiar according to the lore of the Eldar. Uh, the first thing we are going to talk about will, will be off the Valar. And it will go in detail about all the Valar. But before I do that, I want to just recap briefly what we uh, read last time and uh, what uh, we discussed and everything. So, in the first chapter, we talked about the creation story in Tolkien's universe. It was the, this is the mythos that Tolkien uh, set out to create because him being from England was really not satisfied with uh, all the other. Um, uh, uh, cultures and all the other uh, people have their own lore and myth while Tolkien did not so the initial concept was creating a lore a myth for England uh, so that uh, he wanted to just create a creation myth for uh, for England however he did abandon that idea and it it was not one of the ideas that like uh, stayed with him uh, even though he started like that in the beginning, there was Iluvatar, who created from his flame imperished. These demigods called the Ainur. The Ainur were um, a group of Valar and a large group of Maiar, and they both collectively were called the Ainur. Uh, they would sing before him, and all was good in the world. Then he told them to sing together and in harmony and make a music. Uh, about this singing and everything, I do believe that since this is a second-hand second -hand account of everything and it's not the first-hand account of, um, it's not the word of God himself, uh, nobody should be confused about that. These uh, lore and everything that's, uh, that we are about to read, it's a second-hand account of all the elves, the Eldar, who went to the Valinor and learned all these things and while the, the Valar obviously tried to explain it to elves, obviously um, they could not comprehend everything that was said. So they used in their writing all the metaphors and everything that they could and obviously that was written in the high uh, Quenyar uh, tongue of the Elvish, uh, which later got translated either by Bilbo or someone else into uh, common speech. So definitely not a first-hand account and all the things that we read in the first chapter uh, one should always while reading it think of them as metaphors and not actually literal um, accounts of the things that happened in the creation. So why, while everyone obeyed him, uh, Iluvatar that is, and sang their part, Melkor however did not like that he uh, did not like that. He was not happy. He thought that he had some ideas of his own which obviously uh, came from Iluvatar because everybody including Melkor's, Melkor and the, all the Ainur uh, got, came into being from Iluvatar and his thought and his mind. So Melkor decided to sing alone and 
whenever the Valar sang in harmony, he tried to just uh, put in a discord of his own, try to disrupt the music and the harmony. And while he did that, it just created uh, the music was not how the Valar individually imagined it to be. Then uh, while the while the Ainur were singing, so Iluvatar showed all the Ainur a vision of his mind and of a world inside the void which he called Ea. And he they saw all its history unfold and the coming of the elves and everything. Uh, they saw everything up till uh, the dominion of men which are the followers. The elves are called the firstborn or the Eldar, while the followers are the men or Edain. Valar loved the vision so much that uh, they really, really uh, loved it and they wanted to really, really create it. So Iluvatar told them, well, this is your chance. You can go ahead and make this into being. You can enter Ea and make Arda. Ea being the universe, Arda being the earth, which is Middle-earth, and Valinor. So these spirits who really really loved the vision of uh, Iluvatar and especially really really loved the children of Iluvatar because before that all the things that he created, all the music they created, they all came from themselves so they created it the the Ainur had a full input in creating the music because Iluvatar only told them to make the music and they got to work and started making music and it was from themselves while these children of Iluvatar he held on to himself and he did not really share uh, this vision and really not had any input from the Ainur into the creation of the children of Iluvatar. So when the these Valar, these Ainur, saw the children of Iluvatar, they were really, really mesmerized and really fell in love with them and really wanted to see them in person and get to know them because they were something created for, from the same being who created themselves. And they were something out of their own imagination. So they... Uh, really wanted to enter Ea and they were given permission to do so. Melkor, however, also entered Ea because he... It, it is kind of weird here, uh, the thing that can be interesting to discuss is um, free will, predestination, and fate. Because if Iluvatar wanted to stop Melkor from entering Ea, he could have done so at any time. So it is really interesting, but like what would the story be then? It is fascinating to think about the predestination and fate and everything, but I think this is one of the key points that I uh, talked about last time as well and uh, Professor Corey Olson in his talks also emphasized this really well that Ainu Lindeley is one of the best uh, pieces of fiction slash myth you can find which really really deals with the topics of predestination and fate and free will really really well uh, because when um, Iluvatar spoke to Melkor and told him um, let me find the passage. Right, let me hold on. I'm trying to find the passage that I read last time. Which is really, really awesome. It was Iluvatar talking to Melkor. Mm. Okay, there's the passage. Behold your music. This is your minstrelly. 
and each of you shall find contained herein, amid the design that I set before you, all those things which it may seem that he himself devised or added, and thou, Melkor, wilt discover all the secret thoughts of thy mind, and wilt perceive that they are but a part of the whole and tributary to its glory. Basically saying that whatever Melkor you'll do and decide to do, uh, whatever you'll do, that is pretty much how I intended it to be. Which kind of pretty much defeats evil at its base, that evil can do whatever the heck it wants and in the end it will still be only doing what, what is willed by God, uh, in this case Iluvatar. So really interesting. Uh, so the Valar entered uh, into Arda and started forming the Middle-earth and created Valinor and they raised mountains and did everything and every time they did something, uh, Melkor destroyed them or tried to destroy them. And so started the wars between Melkor and Valar. So this pretty much concludes the first chapter of um, Ainu Lindale, the first chapter of the Silmarillion. Um, while Equenta has rightly pointed by uh, many of the amazing Tolkien professors and scholars um, that it is one of the boring parts of the Silmarillion, uh, I think the more boring part will come later with Beleriand and its regions and maps. Um, so, But this is the first boring part where it's only the names and their qualities, attributes and everything. And it's really easy to forget the names, it's really easy to not keep count of who's whom. How many are they? What are they? And so on. Uh, but since last time we talked that uh, when the Valar entered it, they uh, took the shapes of forms uh, in the same manner as the children of Iluvatar as they beheld in their mind while looking at the vision. Um, and somehow it was explained which was not clear as Michi also last time pointed out that like some took the form of males while the other took the form of uh, females uh, although um, which was kind of interesting and it was not really explained well if they just chose it or were they already male or female uh, from the beginning uh, so that concept is like comes from God it's it, it is a little interesting to de have a deep dive into that <laughs> but the seven lord of the Valar were Manve, Ulmo, Aule, Orome, Mandos, Lorien and Tulkas and the seven um, Valier the seven queens of the Valar are Varda, Yuvana, Lienna, Este, Vaire, Vana and Nessa Melkor, however, was in the beginning part of the Valar or the Ainur, but he was obviously kicked out of that panel and was not really uh, counted amongst them anymore. Uh, now let's jump to our first and our uh, most important Valar, although he does play a little role. There are other more active Valars in the lives of men and elves in Beleriand. Uh, however, he being the mightiest of them all and, the, and is considered the king of um, the king of all the Valar and the king of all the realm of Arda, basically. Uh, but but it, well, well, I'll give yeah, Manwe is pretty cool. Let's say that. I'll. Uh, talk briefly about the parallels that some people might draw between the Greek and Roman gods and uh, the gods from this uh, Tolkien verse. Uh, but it, I would not like to do that just now. Manwe, the mightiest of those of Ainur who came into the world, was in his beginning Melkor, but Manwe is dearest to Iluvatar and understands clearly his purpose. He was appointed to be, in the fullness of time, the first of all the kings, lord of the realm of Arda, and ruler of all that dwelt therein. So, Manvi was the closest to the mind of Iluvatar, and Melkor is also mentioned there briefly. They were brethren in the beginning, uh, in the mind and thought of Iluvatar. Obviously, Melkor made his own choices, uh, arguably 
maybe by his own free will uh, I'd like to think and uh, thus Manwe became the most dearest to Iluvatar and understood understands his purpose most clearly more than anyone else. And now we, uh, the chapter delves into the powers of uh, uh, Manwe. In Arda, his delight is in the winds and in the clouds and in all the regions of the air, from the heights of the depths, from the heights to the depths, from the uttermost borders of the Vale of Arda, to the breezes that blow in the glass, grass. Sulimo, he is surnamed, Lord of the Breath of Arda. All swift birds, strong of wings, he loves. And they come and go at his bidding. Obviously, us being a, um, a fans of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, uh, often people, uh, while talking about um, uh, the eagles, often um, call that the eagles of Manwe, or they are often called the messengers of Manwe. And this is where it basically comes from that. Uh, Manwe is the lord of the air, basically. He, his uh, uh, government, his uh, area is in the skies, and this is his um, kingdom. And uh, uh, now it's an interesting concept of the spouse, because first we discussed that there were Valar, and they chose the male and female form, but now we are suddenly out of the blue, are introduced to this concept of spouses that Manwe has a spouse called Varda so maybe they were spouses from the beginning even in the mind of Iluvatar and I don't know how that really works and a really interesting thing I listened today I was listening re-listening re to the Silmarillion seminar and somebody did bring this point up and it was explained really well by uh, the Tolkien professor that um, we should not really think of these spouses or these relationships between Manape and Varda and, and, and Yavanna and Aule as we think of husband and wife or, or lovers and as human male or female um, lovers. We should not think of them. I think they are kind of uh, their relationship or their spirits entanglement to each other or affection for each other is kind of is different and uh, what the writer of this passage did was he wrote what he understood elves understood like you fall in love you marry someone and you ha have kids and so on but there are no kids in of um, Varda and Manwe so their love or their relationship is much different than how we think of uh, spousal um, agreements or spousal um, uh, relationships um, as humans. But there is Varda. Varda is really important, uh, Vala, and uh, we'll find out why in a second. With Manwe, because they never had children, or I don't recall them having any sort of offspring. Oh, they don't. Or... They don't. They, there yeah. is no offspring, so, so like one can question like what kind of relationship is there that they don't have kids like none of them have kids then what's the point in having that spousal kind of relationship being explained here that Manwe is with Varda and and, and Aule is with Ivana and other others have other spouses as well uh, but I'll get back to that one because that's really uh, interesting because uh, uh, well I can get in on this one so in the first drafts they did have kids so from the first drafts of the oh. Silmarillion um, Manve and Varda had kids and one of them was Aeonve. Aeonve obviously was later changed and scrapped as a as a son of uh, Manve and was just made a lesser spirit Amaya um, but in the initial draft, they did have kids, and they they were just like normal. But I guess he scrapped that concept, did not like it, or uh, did not feel that it really, really um, worked in his uh, this mythos that he was creating. So he uh, scrapped that concept, although he did keep the spouses concept for some reason. He could have scrapped that as well, like, um, in my opinion, but 
he kept that but just crap the kids no kids they don't have sex and they don't have kids okay <laughs> okay <laughs> with manvidwal's varda lady of the stars who knows all the regions of aea too great is her beauty to be declared in the words of men or of elves for the light of iluvatar lives still in her face in light is his power is her power and her joy out of the deeps of aea she came to the aid of manve for melkor she knew before she knew from before the making of the music and rejected him and he hated her and feared her more than all others whom eru made manve and varda are seldom parted and they remain in valinor their halls are above the everlasting snow upon oilosse the uttermost tower of tanikwetil tallest of all the mountains upon earth so this is the first power couple we get uh, manve and varda and um really interesting um, that something is just mentioned in a brief is that melkor knew uh, she knew and then rejected him so we kind of get an opinion uh, an idea that probably melkor sought after her in the beginning before the music of the ainur and she was like nah i'm not into you sorry and <laughs> uh, it's just kind of interesting and and give somebody should write that fan fiction story about the with the love affairs of uh, um manve melkor and uh, varda <laughs> before the creation of time um, but his fear so um uh, varda you know who varda is i don't recall okay. i know that it's judge she's like a seminal character but yeah. i don't recall like the later relevance oh, of yeah. varda Yeah, Varda is one of the ones that's mentioned the most amount of times in in the Lord of the Rings. Probably the uh, one of the few Valar who are ever mentioned in in the Lord of the Rings. But Varda is called uh, Elbereth. She is Elbereth, which uh, all the elves uh, call. Mm. Which Frodo when Frodo and Sam when they're leaving the Shire, they hear elves singing, and the elves are singing this. Oh, Elbereth, Kiltoniel, remember, we still remember we who dwell in this far land between the trees, thy starlight on the western seas. So, and and when um, Frodo has his feel of, uh, no, when Frodo is stabbed by the Nazgul at the Weddertop, mm-hmm. he runs across the uh, the fords of Brynen. and then uh the nazgul start chasing after him and he calls again by elbereth and by luthien tinoviel so he's calling uh elbereth name and elbereth is varda the kindler of the stars basically so the elves are really really like out of all the valar the elves hold in utmost respect and regard and love varda cuz she kindled the stars because uh, when the elves were born there was no sunlight or moonlight there were no stars there were only stars and varda was the one who kindled those stars And next valar that's on the list is Ulmo. Ulmo is the lord of the waters. He is alone and he does not have a lover. He's a loner, kind of like me, I think. <laughs> so he does not have a spouse, which is interesting but cool. Uh, and he's next in might to Manwë. He's connected to all the waters that flow in Aea. and the passage uh, says for all seas lakes rivers fountains and springs are in his government and thus news comes to ilmo even ulmo even in the deeps of all the needs and griefs of arda which otherwise would be hidden from manve so manve is the lord of the skies while ulmo is the lord of the waters and all the water streams lakes and everything they bring news to him of everything that goes on on the earth under the earth at the earth and which is not in the air a really really powerful valar um indeed he does like being alone and he um really really cares about the elves and men as we we'll later later find out 
uh, why uh, it says it there he really cares about elves and men because Ulmo plays a really really key part in the story that unfolds um, the story of Beleriand. Nonetheless, Ulmo loves both men, elves and men and never abandoned them, not even when they lay under the wrath of the Valar. We'll, we'll find out what exactly that statement means because it's not the story that story is not told yet uh, But Ulmo never cut ties with elves and men even when like the rest of the Valar were like just fuck them all screw <laughs> Like we don't care about them anymore Ulmo always uh, kept in contact with them and never really left them Next uh, of the Valar is called Aule I love Aule. He's uh, he's the craftsman. He's uh, he he loves making things, which is really awesome. And I really couldn't really figure out. I was trying to uh, find uh, parallels of the uh, from the Greek gods and the Roman gods. Uh, Aule was one that I had kind of had difficulty pinpointing into one of the Greek gods. But Aule has might little less than Ulmo. His lordship is over all the substances of which Arda is made. In the beginning he wrought much in fellowship with Manwe and Ulmo, and the fashioning of the lands was his labor. He is a smith and a master of all crafts, and he delights in works of skill. He loves making things, which who does that kind of remind me of? Uh, Melkor. Melkor also wanted to make his own things. That is why he started making his own uh, solo track and was shut down by Iluvatar. But the thing that's missing from Aule is that unlike Melkor, he did not have greed or malice or selfishness. or He just wanted to make things and then present and submit them to the will of Iluvatar. While Melkor wanted to make things and then like dominate over them and rule over them and be called a lord. That is the main difference between Aule and Melkor. Then comes Yavanna. Yavanna is awesome. Yavanna is epic. Uh, I'll tell you why. Well, she's spouse of Aule, so this is the second power couple we get. Uh, the first one was Varda and um, Manwe. This one is Yavanna and Aule. They are a couple as well. Uh, she's called Kementari, Queen of the Earth. And she, um, Queen of the Earth, uh, and... She is the lover of all the things that grow in the earth, and all their countless forms she holds in her mind. From the trees like towers in forests long ago, to the moss upon stones or the small and secret things in the mold. Um, everything that grows in the whole of Arda, she had some part in making initially, and she cares about everything. Uh, they'll all come into account later when we get to the off the Maiar part and I can go deeply how this all connects to the Lord of the Rings and the story we know. But just to briefly hint at it, uh, she's the one who creates the ants, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, she's into all growing things and she was kind of afraid of the fate of all growing things who did not could not care for them, like the tree cannot care if it's cut or not. So she made the ants to take care of the trees. She like, if if some some guy comes to try to cut the trees, just stop him. And so she made the ants to uh, be the shepherds of shepherds of the tree. Okay, next is really awesome. The Fianturi, which are the siblings, the Mandos uh, Lorian, uh, Mandos and Lorian are called the Fianturi. Uh, here is, uh, again I was listening to the Silmarillion seminar and somebody brought a really awesome point which I was also thinking um, is uh, the names. Mandos and Lorian are not their real names. Um, they are the names of the places they dwell in. Which was interesting. Um, Mandos is called uh, Namo and uh, Lorien is called Irmo, or is named Ilmo. Irmo. Um, Namo first. He's the keeper of the houses of the dead and the summoner of the spirits of the dead. He forgets nothing. 
and he knows all things that shall be, save only those that lie still in the freedom of Iluvatar. Oh, bye, this is so, such an awesome uh, line. Mandos uh, has so many jobs. One, the main job being he, um, he, he is the keeper of the houses of the dead. Um, so there are halls of Mandos. That's where he lives and he take cares, takes, takes care of all the spirits uh, who die. Remember, there are two different halls there. One is for the elves and one is for the men. Uh, men and women. Men in the capital M sense. Um, so the Eldar and Dain who die, they all go to the halls of Mandos. He, he keeps the elves. They keeps them for uh, there for however long he wants until he thinks that they are ready to go back out into the, into the world. Because elves cannot leave the circles of the world. While men, on the other hand, the spirits of the men who visit the halls of Mandos, they are kept there in separate halls, and after that they are sent out, out of the circles of the world, and their fate is not known to any of the Valar or Maiar, any of the Ainur. It, is, it belongs only to, uh, to Iluvatar, and he did not share that with anyone. Although Namo this Mandos does know, has, uh, can prophesize, has the power of uh, judgment and doom, uh, which he will only do at the bidding, or uh, if he, if Manwe calls for it, only then he'll pass his judgment. Other than that, he just likes to keep to himself. He knows everything, save only those that lie still in the freedom of Iluvatar. That was, that's interesting. Um, what do you think that means in the freedom of Iluvatar? Well, it seems like other things have been mandated. You know, like we discussed the last time that like they didn't actually freely like create mm -hmm. the world, that it was, they were creating something which they've been like shown a vision from Iluvatar. So Valuvatar, the freedom of Valuvatar is like it's really the only person like creating anything from almost free will. Like it's not preordained. True. I that is what kind of I got as well. Uh, that he this Mandos knows everything except that few things that Iluvatar did not share with them. The coming of uh, elves and men uh, where they would spawn. Um, and what happens to the men when they leave the circles of the world, what is their fate. So these are the few things that he's not told or he does not know. All else he does know, whatever happens. Uh, his uh, brother, Lorien, uh, or Irmo. Irmo lives in Lorien are his gardens, in the land of the Valar, and they are the fairest of all the places in the world, filled with many spirits. And often the Valar come themselves to Lorien and there find repose and easing of the burden of Arda. That, yeah, so Lorien kind of, Lothlorien, I like to believe, like Galadriel got that name from, from uh, Lorien, right? That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So Lorien uh, is, uh, is the gardens that, that exist in the land of Amman, in, in Valinor. And there, all the hurts and everything uh, is eased uh, whenever the Valar feel too burdened by the um, by Arda and the stress. They go there to relax, have a little pipe weed, and whatnot. Next is Nina. Nina is sister of uh, Mandos and Lorien, so Nina is their sister. This is a pretty epic Valar, and for a good reason she's has a she's related to the lord of rings story very very well niena she's acquainted with grief and mourns for every wound that arda has suffered in the marring of melkor so great was her sorrow as the music unfolded that her song turned to lamentation long before its end and the sound of mourning was woven into the themes of the world before it began but she does not weep for herself, and those who, those who hearken to her learn pity and endurance in hope. 
Ah, oh, such an epic valor. She just cries for the woes of the world, and I think she has the healing properties. Uh, wh whoever is wounded in any uh, way, spiritually or uh, mainly spiritually, if uh, Niena can heal their pain in that essence, and Niena is really epic. One of the most epic Valas ever, and uh, this relating to the Greek gods and everything, it, there is not really even one Greek or a Norse or uh, Roman god who was who had these powers of just weeping for the sorrows of the world and just healing. Although the this um, found out today again listening to the Silmarillion seminar. Can't plug that show enough. Love it. Um, but the, she's acquainted with grief. Is is taken from Bible. Uh, Jesus, uh, they say, was acquainted with grief. So that's interesting. It's uh, taken word from word out of the Bible. Again, Niena. Her halls are the west of the west, upon the borders of the world. And she comes seldom to the city of Valimar, where all is glad. She goes rather to the halls of Mandos, where, which are near to her own. And all those who wait in Mandos cry to her, for she brings strength to the spirit and turns sorrow to wisdom. The windows of her house look outwards from the walls of the world. Just amazing. Uh, instead of her going to Valimar and having fun and enjoying and being glad with everyone else, she instead goes to the houses of the dead in the halls of Mandos. And there all the spirits who are crying uh, for, for this death, she eases their pain and gives turns their pain and sorrow into wisdom. This is just amazing. Oh, the next one is so fun. Guess which which is the next Maya? Me too. Tulkas. Tulkas. Oh no, wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right. That's Tulka. the next one. <laughs> I love Tulkas. Tulkas is the heavyweight champion of Arda, a mixed martial artist and very good at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Hey. <laughs> I think you're just asking me that to see if I'm awake. I was like, that's not. That's wrestling and contests of strength. <laughs> I I wrote I, I was reading that that and like I thought I thought of just the best joke <laughs> like he's the heavyweight champion of the world he's like the Brock Lesnar of his time. But he rides no steed, so he has no need for the hobby horse mount. Haha. -ha. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, my hobby horse, I love it. Uh, Wookie, I I paid to win the hobby horse. <laughs> I did it. I got mine out of a box. Oh, well, 2,500 points well spent, I say. Oh my gosh. No regret whatsoever. <laughs> Not even a little bit. I wanted it for like how many years since Rohan? West, East Rohan? At least three years. What was the only way to get it? What was the way to get it before From before the, it became available? Yule Festival boxes uh, is the only way I know. Oh, it has yeah. to be random. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah, it was totally random. I got one my the first year on my uh, crappy champ. Uh huh. And uh, then I just got one of those stupid boxes out of the loot box the other day and uh, put it on my Hobbit because it's hilarious. Oh, okay. Fine. Thanks. There goes 2,500 uh, 2, ashes again. Because I don't have it on my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn you. Damn Put it you. on your guard. That's evil. That's evil. <laughs> yeah, definitely going on the card. Batman needs it. Um, okay, Tulkas. Love Tulkas. Uh, Tulkas was one of the ones... Uh, okay, so greatest in strength and deeds of prowess is Tulkas, who is surnamed Astaldo, the Valiant. He came last to Arda to aid the Valar in the first battles with Melkor. He delights in wrestling and in contests of strength, and he rides no steed, for he can outrun all things that go on feet, and he's tireless. 
damn. Talk about a badass. Although he is kind of, um, yeah, he's a badass. He's he's not afraid of Melkor whatnot, and he'll like throw everybody down. Just uppercut, punch to the face, down goes Melkor. I I did have a question about this. I feel feel like this was the first time I heard um one of the Valor to be like named as like a, he has like a golden beard. Or yeah. something like this, and I yeah. just thought, well, why is this the one guy that decides to actually have a, a distinct appearance? Yeah, yeah, there, there is no appearance mentioned. It is interesting, indeed. Um, I'll get back to their appearances a little bit because I think there is well, one none are mentioned, and I think there might be a reason for that. I'll, I'll get, get to that in a, in a little later. Uh, but yeah, he's mentioned his hair and beard are golden, and his flesh ruddy, and his weapons are his hands. So he he's given like a physical description of himself, um, which is yeah, which is interesting. Nobody knows like what color Manwe's hair are, just what color Yvanna or Aule's hair are. Mm-hmm. Next one is Orome. Can anyone tell me where Orome is already mentioned in the Lord of the Rings? Come on. It's an easy one. Sorry, I don't know that one. I lost that I lost that round. <laughs> okay. Orome is mentioned in the Lord of the Rings, um, in uh, the chapter uh, where Theoden makes his charge. Oh. Uh, in the Battle of uh, Pelennor Fields, when Theoden makes his charge, uh, that's where Orome is mentioned. Um, like Orome in the Battle of the Valar when the world was young. This is the best. And th- yeah, that's pretty awesome. So Orome is the hunter of the Middle Earth. He loves. He has an awesome horn, he has a super awesome horse called Nahar, which is the best name for any horse. Nahar. Wow. Valaroma. Is that the name of your hobby horse? Well, I'm going to name it now, Nahar. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Valaroma. Well, oh, that's such a beautiful name, Valaroma. And his, uh, yeah, his horn is called Valaroma. We uh, did read uh, of about another horn as well, uh, the horn of um, Ulmo. Um, horn of Ulmo is called Ul- Ulim- Ulimari. Is that it? I think that's it. Let me find it. U- Ulumuri. Ulumuri. Ah. Uh-huh. No, that's a word. Ulumuri is the uh, name of the horn of uh, Ulmo, while Valaroma is the name of the horn of Orome. Um, just a side note, Orome is the one who uh, first discovered uh, the children of Iluvatar. So he's the first because he really loves running around in Middle-earth and he loves Middle-earth so much and doesn't like Valinor as much as he likes Middle-earth, so he often goes there, and that's when he found the children of Iluvatar, the elves. Orome loved the lands of Middle-earth, and he left them unwillingly and came last to Valinor, and often of old he passed back east over the mountains and returned with his host to the hills and the plains. And this pretty much concludes the big list of all the um, awesome epic uh, Valar that we have. These are the, I'll like to read this last uh, passage of this chapter, which is really awesome. These are the names of the Valar and the Valier, 
and here is told in grief their likeness, such as the Eldar beheld them in Amman, but fair and noble as were the forms in which they were manifest to the children of Ilubatar, they were but a veil upon their beauty and power. And if little is here said of all that the Eldar once knew, that is nothing compared with their true being, which goes back into regions and ages far beyond our thought. Among them nine were the chief powers and reverence, but one is removed from their number, and eight remain. The Aratar, the High Ones of the Arda, Manve and Varda, Ulmo, Yavana and Laule, Mandos, Niena and Orone. Though Manve is their king and behold, and beholds their allegiance under Eru, in majesty they are peers, surpassing beyond compare all others, whether the Valar and the Mayar or any other order that Iluvatar has sent into Ea. So that is kind of explains a little bit why we get explanation of just uh, maybe the looks of only one uh, Valar, maybe they saw Manve and just went blind or something by his uh, awesomeness and epicness. Um, that's why we, we get a physical of Tulkas, because Tulkas was kind of a little... Because as you see, Tulkas is not named in Aratar, right? So there Manve, Arda, Ulmo, Yavana, Aule, Mandos, Nina, and Orome are named here in the Aratar, which is the highest of the highest. While Tulkas is not, and the only description we got is of Tulkas, so that makes sense that maybe Tulkas is the only one they could like, like see and, and behold and make sense of, while the other probably they just saw a vision or when they saw they could not really comprehend what they were saying and they could only hear or something like that. Does that make sense? Or so uh, before uh, concluding, um, I'd like to um, talk about the um, comparison to pagan gods. Obviously, it is easy to uh, see Manve as Zeus or Jupiter, and 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 Ulmo as Poseidon and Mandos as Hades and and so on, but it's not really that can't really compare because the this if you read the story of Zeus it's nothing like the story of Manwe. Um same goes for all the other ones so there is some similarities uh, in maybe some of their powers but I don't think Tolkien intentionally or wanted even to have that kind of comparison to the Greek or Roman gods um, Manve did not one night descend upon the earth and have sex with some random human and then gave birth to Hercules, uh, right? Well, well, Zeus did that, so that that's different than than the Greek god. So that comparison is just uh, maybe you're seeing some powers and just trying to compare it. Well, in reality, if you look at the stories, they are completely different beings. The Valar interfere seldom, and usually they uh, they submit to the will of uh, Iluvatar, which is different than uh, than the other. Like Zeus did not submit to some other higher god. Um, so that's one. Other one, um, the question uh, I ha kind of had was the what is the power of Melkor? I think the power of Melkor is fire. What do you think? Probably a bit more than that, though, right? So it sounded like fire and ice. Was, yeah, they were just. They seem to be more, but it's like a. Mm, Similar to to the other Val, uh, Valinor's power, Val's power, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah With the yeah. creation and crafting, so it seems to be a bit more than just fire, but a little more esoteric. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't go so far as to um, merely assign elements to each of the uh, Valar and just call it good, because uh, yeah, well, you could probably attribute fire to Melkor, especially the destructive part. And um, to Manuve. I I think there's more to more each than. of the Valar than a simple um, here. This one's water. This one's fire. Here's air. And this is earth. Uh, well, well, uh, yeah, that that is int Yeah, that that's true. You can't. But uh, I'm just counting the four: Manve, Aule, uh, Ulmo, and Melkor. Having Manve being air, uh, Ulmo being water, 
uh, Aule being Earth and um, Fire being Melkor. I thought that was just interesting <laughs> looking at it, but yeah, you can't because uh, there is much more to all of them than just uh, being the four elements that comprise our world. You just like wanted to make a Voltron reference, <laughs> like Captain Planet. I was gonna oh. say, this was the fifth in the Captain Planet. Heart, I think. Heart. Heart. Yeah. Okay. Wow, Captain Planet, he's a hero. No. Gonna no. take pollution <laughs> down to no. zero. Fine. <laughs> 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 oh, that's childhood memories. Any other points you guys want to make um, out of the first uh, few sections uh, up till this point? I think you've covered most of the uh, at least academic points that can be gleaned from the first um, rather dull chapters. Yeah, um, this just seems to be a listing, as well, you said. Yeah, yeah nameless are uh, typically dull, and uh, like like I said, I, I think we've gleaned all the uh, info, really all the info that can be had. Um, a lot of the exposition is going to come later. Yeah, I think like, I skipped the spouses sure. of some of the world. I don't. I hope they don't mind. I doubt they care. Yeah, man, they're, they're chilling in Valley now. What the hell do they care? <laughs> right. About these hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's it. I think we are done for today. Awesome. Thanks for joining people and thanks for watching on Twitch people. And I got a new subscriber. Thank you for subscribing or following. Ciao. How was that even there? She in, in, in Elvish? Namaria? Namaria. Namaria pretty much covers it all.